Welcome to Core Parenting Conversations. My name is Kaylee Kukla, and I've spent more than a decade supporting children and families with challenging behaviors. As a mom of three, I appreciate how overwhelming and exhausting parenthood can often be. So I'm taking all of my professional knowledge coming from over a decade of work experience with my master's degree in early childhood special education and combining it with real mom life, not just the theory, to change the dialogue around parenting. We'll have powerful conversations and you'll gain practical tools that will inspire you to get to the heart or the core of your child's behavior and make simple, yet impactful changes. So let's dive in together. Welcome to another Core Parenting Conversation with Kaylee. Today's episode is a real conversation between myself and another mom to three boys. In fact, our thirds are only one week apart. We are both in the throes of postpartum, navigating life with three, running our own businesses, and all other variables that make up family life. Nikki has been a core member for about a year and a half, during which we've also grown as friends, confidants, and supports to one another. This conversation focuses on turning theory, all the connection theory you read about on Instagram and here on podcasts, into real-life moments that will help strengthen your relationship with your child while honoring the fact that we're often tired, overwhelmed, overstimulated, and needed in five different directions. So let's dive in to this core conversation. Hello, and welcome to another core parenting conversation. And I am so excited for today because I get to have a friend on the podcast and a fellow mom. She's a core member. Our boys are, they say they're BFFs. Does yours say he's my BFF? Yeah. Okay. So they yes, use that verb. Yes. <laughs> and she's also a professional. I'm going to let you tell, let her tell you about what she does, but her name is Nikki Frezza. So thanks so much for being here, Nikki. Haley, thank you for having me. Yes, our boys are besties and they make bracelets for each other all the time. Um, they do. It's <laughs> the really sweet. thing. So sweet. <laughs> it is. I made friendship bracelets when I was a kid, but it was with the string. Did you make friendship bracelets? Yes. Okay. So, and when I went to the store the other day at Barnes and Noble, because they have this amazing toy section we were looking for the ones with the little bands that they use. And mm-hmm. I didn't see any of those, but there were tons of kits that actually had the string. And like, it really did bring me back to my own childhood. It was fun to see all those, but not the because ones. the 90s are wanted. cool again. I don't know if you know this, but the 90s are cool again. <laughs> yep. Oh yeah. Bring them back. <laughs> bring them well, back and take maybe... away cell phones. <laughs> yeah, I know. Maybe we can move back up in the world and start doing the the macrame or the string <laughs> bracelets that we did when we were kids. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I want, you know, we the other big point we both have are we have three boys, which I feel like just really puts us in a very special sacred category. But tell us a little bit about you and your family, but also you and what you do and who you are. Yeah. Okay. So I have a little story to tell you about the three boys because I just think that's really, really interesting. So I was at the grocery store and we often get comments, like for those of you who don't know, we often get comments about, oh, I, you know, don't you wish you had a girl or something? But the grocery store clerk, she assumed that I had wanted a girl and said something along the lines of, you must have been really sad when you didn't get your girl or something like that. And my response is like, no, actually, I hadn't planned for one. And I really love being a boy mom. And I just kind of like left it at that and kind of, you know, stayed positive because I really kind of wanted to yell at her. But <laughs> I just think it's so funny how people immediately assume like, oh, you wanted a girl because you had two boys. And I don't think that's wrong. You know, I just think it's funny that that assumption is just right there. Like <laughs> people don't even question it. We've talked about that. And you know, someone after my second was born, someone gave me the best piece of advice. They said, don't go for a third. She said, if you decide you want a third, because right after the birth of my second, I was like, nope, never again, never doing that again. She was like, if you want a third, go for a third child, not for a girl. Yeah. 
And I tell people, I'm like, it took me five years to get to that place of first of all, wanting a third child, but also just wanting the child and not caring what gender, you know, what sex. And I just freaking love it. And I love that you love it and that we share that, you know, it's a special bond that we have and that our boys, like all the four big boys, obviously our babies are just so, they were born a week apart, by the way, y'all. We were pregnant together the whole time. (laughs) And the four bigger boys, they get along so well together. Yeah, it's really so incredibly sweet. And to look at these little angels and know like, man, I mean, I don't care that you're a boy or a girl or whatever. Like you're just so, you're just incredible. And yeah, and seeing them, the older ones get to be big brothers is really cool. So I regress, Mm -hmm. sorry. My name is Nikki Frezza. (laughs) I'm a business mentor for virtual assistants. I help moms essentially find jobs part-time while they're, you know, whether it's maternity leave or, you know, maybe their kids are in school part-time and they just, you know, can't do the whole like full-time corporate job situation. So I help them in that way. So the way that Kaylee and I know each other, well, how do I, I feel like I've been a core member longer than I've known you like personally, which is interesting, Mm -hmm. but our boys Mm -hmm. were in the same classroom last year and they were besties from day one. And then we were pregnant together and went through all that. (laughs) Yeah. And I just, I feel like because you work primarily with other moms on just trying to help them, like whether they need, they need to make a financial contribution to their house, or they just want something that's their own while they have some childcare, their kids are in back in school. Like you said it in your text, this whole idea of this mom balance and how it's so hard to keep in balance. And my response was, I don't believe in balance. It's a freaking juggle. We are constantly juggling. So you're in it, like not just personally, but also professionally. You see it too all the time, right? With the people you work with. Totally. And quite honestly, sometimes the conversation is like, hey, maybe you don't need a job. Like you don't actually need to be working. You just need to accept this stage Mm -hmm. in your life. And that's so, you know, it's so hard for many of us, right? Like, especially those of us who, you know, we're like big high achievers. We want, you know, we've, come from a place of achieving a lot and doing a lot. And, you know, to now be in this new phase of like, well, crap, I mean, I've got a baby right next to me. What can I do? You know, it's hard. So yeah, navigating that with moms is, is tricky. And it's been a really just the greatest joy for me. I've loved it. (laughs) I love that because it is. And I love what you maybe coach others and then have to turn around. And I have to coach myself for sure of this whole idea of acceptance, because I am a high achiever. And like, I love to pick up where I left off, you know, when I was pregnant without the baby at home with me and my two boys in school full time. But fact of the matter is like, this is just a different season of life right now. I can't do what I was doing prior to having a third. Totally. I mean, even going to the grocery store right now, like is a shit show with three of them. (laughs) So yes, all of this, it's just different. And so, yeah, I mean, it's funny being able to like coach other moms through this and then being able to like, or having to tell yourself a lot of the same things, you know, of, Hey, we're in this phase right now and that's okay. It's okay to be in this and to kind of sit in that discomfort. Yeah. I don't like that discomfort that much. I'll just be perfect. <laughs> we can still get our nails done in that discomfort. <laughs> but do you find that I am much more accepting of it with my, like the third time around and I can like, breathe through the discomfort my third time around so much better than I did the first time around. Yes. I mean, you know, I keep telling my husband, I keep saying, I wish that I had all of this like wisdom and experience the first time because I was so stressed out and reading all the books and like, oh my gosh, I'm doing it wrong. And he's not feeding enough or he's going too long without feeding or whatever. (laughs) And there Mm -hmm, were all these mm -hmm. questions constantly just like questioning myself. And this time I've really, I mean, I do think he's a, you know, a really sweet and wonderful baby, but I think a lot of it is just coming from my own energy of like, Hey, I'm okay with, you know, whatever tonight brings us. (laughs) Some nights are tougher, some nights are easier, but like just not holding these crazy standards, uh, standards on ourselves. Like trying to make the baby fit into this mold that we got from a book, what we think they should be doing. And how much stress does that not just put on the baby? Because let's face it, the baby isn't going to do what the book says it's going to (laughs) do most of the time. Although I tell people, I'm like, look, I tried the whole three hour schedule with my first. He told me real fast, like, that's not happening. 
But at the time I viewed it as, oh my gosh, my baby's broken. Something's wrong with him because he's not doing what the book says. But then with my second, he put himself on a three hour schedule because I like had given up and you know, my second. So, you know, he's so regimented in so many ways. So like, (laughs) it makes sense that he was the baby that put himself on a three hour schedule, of course. And then my third has done whatever the heck he wants since the moment he came out and the rest of the family's just along for the ride. You know that. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, and that's sometimes how it goes. It's so funny that you say that about your second because I mean, oh my gosh. Okay. So here's, I was just thinking about this. I tried to latch with my first one and thinking about like talking about being, feeling broken. He mm. would not latch and we did exclusive pumping for, I don't know how long. It was a long, long time. But that whole time I thought, man, like, why isn't this baby like, getting it? Like, why am I not getting it? This really, like, it was so stressful. And yet here we are numbers two and three, like they're latching right away. They got it. And yeah, it's just like, I don't know. <laughs> it's just so good to have that experience. It feels so much better, even though, as you say, like number three, just they were just along for the ride. <laughs> yeah. And we've learned that. I think we've just learned that acceptance a little bit more, we're a little yeah. wiser. And so what we were talking about the other day, and I was like, we need, I need you on the podcast so we can talk about this because whether you have one child or two or three or four, or however many kids you have, or if you work outside of the home, you work at home, you work with the home. I mean, whatever capacity, like I feel like parents right now, they're just under-resourced. We're overstretched we're not supposed to do this like in Aboriginal societies and communities and native communities. Like it's, I think it's a one to four ratio for adults or for caregivers for every child. So whether it might be like an older sibling, like a teenager or an aunt, like they have four people rotating in and out to take care of the mom, take care of the parents, take care of the baby. We don't like, could you imagine what would that be like? Right. I mean, that sounds Um, amazing. (laughs) You know, we Western society does not have this. So our babies are so dependent upon us right now, but that creates such a hardship for our older kids. Like it's so easy. We have to be so connected to our baby because we have to be their babies. It's so easy to become disconnected from your older ones. Right. Have you found that? I mean, I've, it's, it's a struggle in our house some days for me to remember, like he doesn't need me to help him, but would he like me to help him? Yes. I mean, you're speaking my language here. This is the beauty behind this right now. I'm seeing like a really strong connection with them and my husband because he's Mm -hmm. kind of taking them and tag teaming with the older two. I'd be lying if I didn't say I like, I miss them. You know, I miss that. And it's hard, right? Like you don't want to resent this sweet baby, but yeah, it's tough. Yeah. (laughs) And so when I, I'll share a story with you and whoever's listening when I very, very first started parent coaching. So before I started parent coaching, I didn't even know that was a thing. I accidentally, I tell people I accidentally fell into it. I was <laughs> first and foremost, a teacher and taught preschool and special needs and like all this stuff. And then I did early intervention work, um, which I loved. And that early intervention work really is a lot of parent coaching because you're working with the zero to three population. And a lot of it's just teaching parents. And then I started doing these developmental play classes, just honest to goodness, because I wanted, I needed to be able to bring my first with me. And I wanted to just give him something to do, give me something to do. I wanted to connect with other moms. So I started doing these play classes. And that's when all the questions started about why does he do this? Or what do I do when she does this? Or how do I handle this situation? And I started parent, like parent coaching. And connection, 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 connection kept coming up. And moms with multiples would look at me and say, I don't have 15 minutes per child. And then I'd work with working parents and they're like, well, when I'm with them, the only time I have with them is getting them ready to leave in the morning and getting them ready for bed in the evening. Yeah. And I went, how do you build connection in these times when we have to fit in so much, whether the demands are just a time resource thing, whether it's the demands are other children, work, partner, whatever. And so I started doing research about how, so in education, this is like super nerdy. I'm going to throw out a nerdy term. So just hang with me. I promise I'll bring it back to the circle. (laughs) Embedded learning opportunities. Have you ever heard that term before? Nope. Tell me, teach me about it, coach. Okay. (laughs) 
hardcore nerd. If you're an education person, you're like, oh, duh, an ELO. Okay. So embedded learning opportunities are like when you teach preschoolers, you might be playing a game with them. Okay. Like the little plastic bears that every classroom has and the kids are lining up the bears and stuff. Well, the embedded learning opportunity. So the state standard you might be working on is categorizing by color, categorizing by size. Oh, now we're going to teach the child colors just by saying, oh, look, you have a red bear. Here comes a purple bear. Oh, is he a red bear? No, he's a purple bear. You're embedding learning opportunities in games, exchanges. The child doesn't even know they're learning colors, size, categorization, right? Right. That's basically how high quality preschool classrooms operate largely. Okay. Yeah. And then you'll see like that happens too when you get older kids, like our kids, he really likes Uno, right? My yeah. is a Uno. <laughs> We've really had to work on Uno, but you know, you learn like social skills when you're playing Uno, like turn taking, losing gracefully, which is really hard. Um, that was really hard. But also yes. numbers, colors all that. So I was like, I wonder if there's a way. So there's a super nerdy stuff. I wonder if there's a way to embed connection during everyday routine. Like what if, how many kids hate brushing their teeth? All of mine. (laughs) We've gone through stages, both of them at this point. And I'm sure my third will fall in line too. Like where, you know, they clamp their mouth shut and they refuse. (laughs) What if we focus more on these routine activities, not to accomplish the routine, like the teeth brushing, not to accomplish putting on pajamas, but we find little moments to embed within the routine that focus on connection. Oh, I love that. I need that. Like I might, my soul, my heart is craving that with them. And it's hard because listen, my, one of my like big things is productivity. Are you a high producer person? Like Yes. Productivity is a big deal to you. (laughs) And also, I'm, I have this really bad flaw, which is that like, I try to fit in a million things into Mm -hmm. like a day or Mm -hmm. a morning or whatever that is. And so it just, it makes it that much harder to like slow down and make these moments (laughs) or make space for these moments, I should say. Same. And some days I still, that's like my default. And some days when I fall into that default, I realize how much harder the day is. Like yes. I'm just an angrier person because I'm not, I can't get stuff done. You guys are keeping me from getting stuff done. Right. And then I'm like resenting my kids for being kids because I have like, I didn't accomplish the 15 unrealistic things I put on my to-do list. And then upset with myself for not accomplishing yes. those things. So nobody right. wins here. It's not like there's... Right. <laughs> just terrible. Yeah, I'm upset because I didn't accomplish the things. And I'm upset because I've been, you know, I've been snappy and mean and, and dysregulated and impatient with my kids all morning. It's great. Yeah. So we take all that we're high productivity people. It's great for being a mom of three kids with a job <laughs> and a business. <laughs> what are we thinking, Nikki? What are we thinking? <laughs> we're clearly delusional here, but there's a light that's a different end, right? that's a different podcast that's a different <laughs> podcast. so we take these moments and we have to slow down first like we have to just say okay i have this to-do list and it's unrealistic or maybe those aren't the priorities on my to-do list maybe the priority is brushing my kids hair and pretending like i don't know my kids would find it hilarious if I pretended like there was a nest in his hair and I found eggs and there was a bird because my kids love birds. Okay, I can't. <laughs> we play bird bingo all the time. <laughs> that would be hilarious though. <laughs> yeah, right? Or maybe it's, you know, so what I did is I created, well, first of all, I created the Get Silly Challenge, which we just did. We finished up in core and for members who couldn't do it like last week with us, that content stays up for, for you guys. But then I came up with this idea of like these quick wins or quick connections that I started to try and do. And I've been more intentional about doing them with my kids the last few weeks because it feels like during the routine, like I'm I'm constantly nursing or the baby has a diaper I need to change or I need to get him in his car seat first before I can move all the other kids into the car or whatever. So I'm like, I need these moments that literally take 
I'm not exaggerating when I say five to 10 seconds, but the hardest part is getting intentional about them. Yes. Because what are you doing? Instead of thinking about how can I connect with my kid, you're thinking about the five things on your to-do list before you walk out the door. A thousand percent. Yes. Guilty. Yeah. So in my mind, what I say, let me explain that I don't believe in balance. I believe in juggling because we're always going to have to drop the ball to keep one in the air. And so for me, that visual reminds me, what ball am I going to throw up in the air right now? And what ball am I going to let drop? And sometimes I will be perfectly honest. Sometimes I drop the ball of connecting with my kids because I don't want to leave crumbs on the counter because I don't want bugs. And we live in Florida. You know how quickly you get bugs in the house if you leave food in the kitchen out, right? Like gross. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So like sometimes I'm going to drop the ball of connection and I'm not going to sit and play with my kids because I have to wipe off. I have to put the food away and clean up the crumbs off the counter so we don't get bugs like priorities, people. But sometimes when I can be intentional about it, the ball I'm going to throw up and prioritize in air is going to be connecting with my kids. That just, I don't know. Does that feel better than balance to you? <laughs> like stretching yourself to try and keep everything in play? Yeah. I mean, it's such a, it's a much better visual. And on, not only that, I just feel like balance is like the holy grail. That's just, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's just so unachievable, right? It's like one day you have it and the next day, you know, shit hits the fan. Like it's just, it's not going to work. It's not sustainable. And so like we could feel bad about ourselves, you know, 90% of the time. And then that 10% think, oh, I made it. But we're not wired for that either, right? Like we're wired to see the negative. And so we're just going to feel bad about ourselves always. (laughs) So yeah, I do like the juggling better. I love that you brought up the negativity bias. (laughs) Do you know about the negativity bias? Is it five times as much that we're... Sorry, I'm not speaking English here. But we can see the negative five times more than we can see the positive. Yeah. And do you know why? Why? Tell me. Because survival, survivally speaking, when we were like living in the wild with lions and bears and tigers, oh my, right? (laughs) When there were threats imminent in the bushes about to jump out and attack us and eat us, or we needed to jump out and attack them and eat them, right? (laughs) Our brain had to register what's wrong in this situation, what's not safe. Yeah. And we had to make split second decisions like those that bush isn't supposed to move like that. Something's wrong there. It's a survival mechanism and it's real. We have yeah. a negativity bias. Also, Makes what's so wrong, sense. like any weakness in our tribe, right? Our, that was our number one way of surviving was being in a tribe, a group of people and any kind of weakness or someone not acting right or someone not being safe, like you're a threat to our survival. So it makes sense that like, it's so much easier. I actually just wrote a post and I don't even know when it's scheduled. It's scheduled to drop before this podcast is going to come out. But it talks about that's why it's so much easier to figure out what our kids are doing wrong instead of what they're doing right. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. And focusing on what they're going to do wrong just drives disconnection. So now we're going to talk about the quick wins and how to pick up what they're doing right. And I don't know about you, but it has been a tough week for us. We've had a parent traveling, dad traveling. We've had sick kids at home when they were supposed to be at school. And it was supposed to be my first work week back at work, of course. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Um, Of course, it's the week that they um, stay homesick. So it's been a lot. And these are some things that even if I lose it during the day, even if I just feel disconnected during the day, I try and start or end the day doing these things. Oh, I love that. Yeah, we've had a a rough week over here too with also sick kids at home and just a baby that is not wanting to sleep. (laughs) So, you know, it all kind of adds up. I'm like, why, why do we even have that term like sleep like a baby? I'm like, have you slept with a baby recently? Do you know what that's like? Because they don't, they don't sleep. (laughs) They just want you to hold them. And that is not conducive to sleep. Then they give you that big smile. And it's like, oh, I can't be mad now. (laughs) Yeah, right. At 4am, they smile at you. They're ready to party. (laughs) 
This core conversation is made possible through Kaylee's core membership program. If you find yourself soaking up the information in this podcast and others, but still grapple with questions like, how do I get my kid to listen? What happens when I try that and it doesn't work? Or if you just crave like-minded and like-hearted parents who are also on this wild parenthood journey, you found your place in core. I take the theories and strategies and I'm constantly adapting them and applying them to real life through monthly deep dives, handouts, workbooks, and live Q&As. So if you want to take your parenting with intention to the next level, or you just need more support, check out CORE at www.kayleekukla.com backslash C-O-R or head to the show notes for the link. Okay. So one of the things that I really like to do that is so easy, and this is something that I do when I'm nursing, okay? So when you feel like either nap trapped by the baby or you're nursing them or like your hands, even changing their diaper, when one of my boys comes into the room or starts walking towards me, stopping and looking at them, and I call it sparkle eyes and big Mm -hmm. smile, and you just light up. I love that. Because what happened is, so my husband was away for three days and then he came home. What was it like when he walked in the room and my kids, even the baby, the baby's now old enough to like see him and smile. What expression did they give my husband's when they hadn't seen him for a while? Was that, it was, you know, the whole face smile, the open mouth, like, so excited to see you and the eyes light up. They give that so freely to us. Like when you pick them up from school, right? And they get in the car and they have that excitement or whatever, like, or they, when you walk up to pick them up from somewhere and they see you, they scan the parents and they see you, they light up and they, guess what? They crave that from us too. Oh, and it feels, it's the best feeling ever. It's the best feeling ever when you see them and you see that big smile on their face. Oh, yeah. When the baby did it to my husband, my husband let out, I call it his little boy giggle. Like he was so, (laughs) he was so touched. He couldn't contain himself. He let out this adorable giggle that he does in response to the baby's reaction. You know, it's just so precious. So this is something that I know it's hard. Like I wrestle with, they're walking in the room and they're going to need something from me, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have the capacity to meet their demand right now. Like I just don't. So it's so easy to when they start walking up to you or when they burst into the room or something to go, what? What is it? You know, like, what do you need now? It's so easy to do that. But if we can even interrupt one time and just like light up and be like, hey, what's going on? It totally changes the tone of the interaction. I love that. And I need to, to remind myself to do that. I try and do it at pickup. We sit in car line together. So I try and do it. Actually, it's I find it easier to do when they're walking, if they're coming toward the car, like up towards the car, Mm -hmm. if you car is back in car line, not the first one in car line, to let them see you through the windshield and make eye contact through the windshield that way before they even get in the car. I make silly faces at them. That's (laughs) awesome. I love that. That's like goofy. That's (laughs) playful too. We'll do, do that or like through the rear view. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes they just giggle. But like, yeah, <laughs> that, that's a great time to do it. That's a great pro tip too. I do it. I did it the other day at a stoplight in the rear view mirror too, if they're forward facing, if your kids are old enough to be forward facing, right. which ours are, the big ones are. That's a great time to do it too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I find, I don't know about you. I find that the car has been a really like, I don't know. It's just like a safe space. And probably because I can't be doing a ton of things. Mm -hmm. So I I can only be driving, right? Like we'll put on some music and that'll kind of get us into that more like silly or playful or or even just talking. I don't know. There's something that's so really special about being in the car together with them. You probably know about the studies behind this. (laughs) I'm sure you do. I knew this was coming. (laughs) But it's magic because here's the thing, face-to-face conversation can be really intimidating. Yeah. And like very vulnerable eye contact. Like were you raised in a household that demanded, look at me when I'm talking to you? 
Does that phrase? Oh, yes. Yes. And everything was like, please and thank you. And yes, ma'am. No, no, ma'am. Like very. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, you know, eye contact was always equated with respect in my house. Yep. Eye contact for children who avoid eye contact, it's really because it feels very vulnerable. It can be very dysregulating for them. And so if you ever want to have like a hard conversation with your child or even just kind of debrief, sitting side by side with them and the car, obviously, automatically where they're either behind us or we're sitting side by side, so to speak. Obviously, they're not in the passenger seat right next right, to us, but right. still that effect you know, in, in the car. And this brings me to another, and we can go back to the music because that's on the list, but another quick win or quick connection is just sitting down next to them and not saying anything. I think as parents, we're so quick to ask a question to try and get our kid to start talking or we want to automatically start talking about what they're doing and we're interrupting. And it can be so powerful to just sit next to them and watch, just yeah. watch. And then what we're doing, here's the magic of it. I, this is, I tell parents, watch two things with your kid, okay? Watch their eyes. What are they looking at? Try and figure out, like, this is how we attune to children. Watch their eyes. What are they looking at? What are they studying? What's their priority in this moment? And watch their hands. What are their hands doing? And what's the energy of their hands? Are they getting frustrated? You know, when you can see a kid getting like angry at the Lego that won't go together or something like that. Or are they moving really confident? Are kids with those bracelets that they make with the rubber bands on their fingers like a million miles an hour? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, he said at the breakfast table this morning, he's like, dad, I have 14 bracelets on. I'm going, (laughs) and they make them so fast. (laughs) Okay, so that was only 20 minutes of work for you or something. I don't know. You know, watch their hands and see because that's going to give you so much information on just their energy and just by observing and what you're doing when you just sit next to your kid and you don't interrupt and you don't comment right away, you don't question right away. I'm just relishing in your existence. Yeah. Right? Like that is so simple. That's such a simple action, but the energy and the messaging behind it is so powerful. And that's all our kids want to know. I don't know. It's that's like one of my favorite and I can do that. And I love doing it without the baby in my hands. If you have an infant, like we both do, if you can, if the baby will let you put him down for (laughs) two minutes, I don't know if yours is like mine and it's questionable sometimes, Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but I'll try and, you know, put him down on the floor mat, give him floor time, give him tummy time, whatever. And then turn my body towards my eldest a little bit or my second and just do that. Just relish in him for a few minutes. Do you hug them at all like in that time or like just sitting like sitting next to them or do you do more like physical like touch or hug or anything? I have two different answers for this. One is it brings me to a totally different quick win strategy. So I love that you just asked that. Two is it also depends on the child. So for my children, it depends on their mood. And I'm going to tell you how I attune to that. And some kids will lean into it and love it and want that big input. Other children don't. And so we got to be more subtle. So and then some kids, it's going to change, you know, day to day, even hour to hour, depending on what their experience is in that moment. Here's my suggestion for how to kind of I think of dipping your toe in the water to like test the temperature before you dive in, right? So what we want to do with our kids, test, like dip our toe into their energy to kind of feel it out first. So one thing I do is maybe I can't even sit down next to my kid. Maybe I'm holding the baby. I'm trying to make dinner. The dog, we have a dog who always seems to need something at the least opportune time. You know, the dog's barking to be let in the house. And so I'm walking by my kid. I can't sit with them. I'll put my hand on their shoulder and I call it a just because I love you. And I'll say something simple like, I love you so much. Or I love watching you color like that. You are using, uh, he did, uh, he was doing a um, like Mandela for Dwali coming up at school. I was like, that is such an intricate design you're working on right now. Wow. And I just kept walking because in the moment, that's all I had. Right. 
couldn't sit next to him, but I could do this just because I love you kind of thing. And again, it shows that like, I'm paying attention to what you're doing. And I like what you're doing is important to me because that's what our kids need to know. Now, how to initiate more physical connection with them is you can put your hand on them or maybe lean a little closer into them and pause and wait to see what they do. Watch their body language. Do they lean into you? Do they snuggle up? Do they put their hand back on you and squeeze it? Or do they kind of pull away? Or my hands are busy. I'm making this bracelet to bring to school tomorrow. You know, like, don't interrupt me. Because don't we all have moments like that with with ourselves? For sure. Yeah. And that's kind of like why I was asking, you know, just to kind of see like what, but I, I, I see exactly what you're saying. Just kind of like, you know, dip the toe in, feel it out and see see how they react. Um, oh, I'm excited. I'm excited to do this after pickup. <laughs> I love, I love just watching subtle body language because children are so intuitive. And I had, it was so interesting because I had three conversations with different parents and um, I was reflecting on my own experience with my kids this past weekend. How intuitive children are with getting their needs met and really what they need is an adult who trusts them and is also aware of what they're doing to meet those needs. So a mom was telling me her daughter um, just started a new school. Actually, I'm sorry, she's returning to the same school, but it is in a new classroom, new teacher, new friend. So we're, we're still in the start of the school too. We get this right with our kids. Yeah. Both of them are in new classrooms, both of yours, right? Right. And then mine is, I've got one who's adjusting to a new classroom. So her daughter started having separation anxiety and she's been in childcare her whole life. Mom was like, where did this come from? Mom told me she, one day during drop off, her daughter turned to her and said, okay, mommy, we're going to do high five, kiss on the lips, Eskimo kiss, butterfly kiss. And then I'm going to wave to you through the window. And I said, she set up her own routine to create predictability, which gives us a sense of safety during transition for herself. Wow. This little girl intuitively and the mom who was attuned, you know, some parents be like, you know, or some teachers might say, no, you can't go to the window or I don't want to prolong this or I don't have time to do like five things just to say goodbye or whatever. But this mom was like, so I did it and she was fine. And I said, as long as you keep doing it with that intention and one day she won't need all five steps. She might only need four. She might be like my kids at some point and just walk away and turn around and like wave. And you're like, okay, bye. I love you. Like this. Yep, that's mine. <laughs> yeah, you get to that point where it's like, okay. But children are so intuitive with that. And so if we just watch them and watch their body language, we can get so much information from that and then respond to it with these quick little, these quick connections of if they're responding to our hand on their shoulder, you know, pull them in maybe closer. Or maybe lean in so they can feel your weight and they lean back in on you. The other day, my six-year-old was having a really hard time. And I just sat on the floor and I kind of put my arms out and I didn't say anything. And he came and just sat on my lap. And he's six. And so then another quick connection tip that I love, it's my favorite. And I try and do it every day. And I didn't do it this morning, full disclosure. So I I need to be intentional about doing it at pickup or after pickup. It's the hug until release. Mm, Have you tried this with your boys? I learned this from you and it's so good. Like sometimes we'll stay there for a while. (laughs) So I'll explain it. And then I want to hear your experience with it because I think this is something so... And you know what? It's great. I like to do this with my husband too. Like hugging is so great for our nervous systems. Yeah, it really is. even when we're touched out because we have the wrong type of touches, right? It's the, it's the baby constantly laying on you. It's the kid pulling on you to get something. It's the overstimulation, but there's something very grounding about hugging until we release. So this is, so my child was having a hard time. 
came on my lap eventually. Like I just sat there open to him and I put my arms around him. And then what I do is I do two things. You hug and you don't let go until your child lets go. You let them let go first. And while you're hugging them, I do, I think of two things. One is I think of love or energy or spirit or prayer, whatever you want to visualize flowing into your child because it that makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And I take some deep breaths and I purposely sigh because the sigh helps us complete the stress cycle. And I kid you not, Nikki, every single time I've done that, my six-year-old will then sigh afterwards. It's wild. I don't know if I've intentionally done the sigh. I think I do it just because like, I'm like, just enjoying in that moment, you know, and I kind of like it forces me to to slow down. Yeah. Um, But yeah, okay, I'm going to start doing that now too. It's so interesting. As you were mentioning this, I thought of a time when I was like really stressed out and my husband came up and did the same thing to me. I don't think he knows. I think he just intuitively did it. And like, I remember just like, breaking down, just crying. And it was like that release that I needed in that moment. You know, I just had a lot of like stress and anxiety, and a lot of things going on and, and it felt so good and no words were exchanged, nothing. Like it was just that hug and the power of that hug was so big, but yes, with the boys, I do it. I don't do it daily. So I definitely need to up that, but yeah, it's funny. Like with my, my, second born. So he's four now he'll stay. I mean, he relishes in those hugs and he'll, he'll stay in there for a while. My older one, he's a little bit more, more busy. So you like quick. And then he's kind of like quick to go, but still it's that moment. And, and there are times, you know, when we'll, we'll sit in there for a while, but yeah, it really is so special. It's so special. And I think of, you know, you said like your husband did it to you. I think as kids get older and adolescence and teenage years trickle in and, and all that, and they want to push us away or they're less inclined to seek us out for that kind of stuff. There's going to come a time when they need that, when their heart's been broken, when they've been, you know, beaten down emotionally, when they're overwhelmed, when something happens and they'll still have that. Like, I think that's the hug is just such an underrated, but what it does is it helps that connection. It completes the stress cycle and it gives us permission to then sigh or cry, which also helps complete the stress cycle is literally releasing stress hormones from our body, which we need to process to help us regulate eventually. So there's just so much power in it. So I want to give you, let's see, I have this long list. I want to give you like two more before we sum up. And then talk about our takeaway. And let we've talked a lot about pickup and school pickup. And do you have a routine for your kids getting in the car? Sort of. It's not a pretty routine. Um, I will say they've been hangry <laughs> for a lot most of the time. Yes. Um, yes. Just because of the, the nature of our schedule. So most of the time, actually in the mornings, I have them tell me what to pack for their pickup. So they get like excited for their snack within reason, right? We're not packing ice cream for them either. But then Carline, (laughs) right? Yeah, that too. But yeah, I mean, they just, you know, kind of climb in and then we go off to the side. You gave me that tip at the start of school, just to kind of keep the car line moving and not, not take up everyone's time, but also not having to like rush through through it all. And then we'll usually play songs and I try to tune into like their energy. My second, my four-year-old loves to tell me about his day. My six-year-old doesn't. And so we'll just kind of like go through that and, you know, ask about it. But I'm trying to be more intentional and not just like, you know, ask them all the questions like I want to, (laughs) because I know they'll eventually let him out. Like my older one, he'll, it's so, he's, he just has like really funny moments in which he'll share stuff. Like when, you know, we're walking in the door and I've got a million things in my hands. Oh, mom, let me tell you about, you know, what my music teacher said today or blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, sure. Let's talk about that right now. But yeah, that's, that's kind of it. Um, yeah. What's your routine? Like, I want to know. I love that. So we, I actually started a separate Spotify list for drives and I, I labeled it like the morning drive songs because they have favorite we call them pump up songs 
Um, and it's so funny. They listen to different music with like me and my husband. So my husband listens to very much like classic rock, 70s, 80s, some 90s, if it's like Billy Joel or Elton John. <laughs> then I listen like Grave by Sarah, Sarah Bareilles or they like tr- the Trolls soundtrack, Can't Stop the Feeling. That's like currently yes. a jam out song. So I'll see. And what I do is I'll turn the music down low. Like you said, I try and feel the energy. And then they'll ask, hey, mom, can we listen to some music? And I that's what I have in cue. And so what this does is, yeah, it creates this quick connection of like even just one jam out song where we're all talking. Mm-hmm. Like there's one song in um, The Greatest Showman where it has like the dad sings, the mom sings, the child sings. Oh, yes. So I know my, what you're talking about. My kids have like assigned us parts and they're like, okay, mom, sing your part. <laughs> sing their part. <laughs> um, so it's unconventional, right? We don't listen to like traditional kids' music. We very much listen to like Hamilton. No, your six year old asked me for the Eagles the day that I picked him up. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, Hotel California. <laughs> I'm like, who are you? But yes, no, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> We, both my husband and I love the Eagles. That's so <laughs> that was really funny. That's, so yeah, I've re- even though I taught the toddler play classes and had the children's music playlist on my Spotify list, my kids don't listen to that usually. <laughs> <laughs> we listen to the Eagles and Hamilton and stuff. So anyway, so that's the first jam out. And then what I like to do is I like to pull lyrics from those songs into little exchanges, like playful exchanges with my kids throughout the day. So if we're um, playing soccer out in the front yard and they miss a goalie, I might say, not going to miss your shot. Because that's an, oh, a Hamilton line. I was just line. thinking of that. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I love that. And they'll look at me. So then, you know, they might be disappointed. They missed their shot, but that's the way I framed it. And so I've created this like quick moment of connection with a little bit of playfulness, not over the top, but just enough that it kind of breaks that tension of what could have been a really tricky moment. So we do that a lot. And and Hotel California actually has some great lyrics too, like what a lovely place, what a lovely space, you know? And so sometimes... Yeah it's thrown around the house too. Um, you can check out, but you can never leave. So if I don't want my kids to get up and move, I might hold them on the couch a couple minutes longer and say, you can never leave. And they think that's hilarious. So yeah. I love that. I mean, it's also like a, like a family inside joke, right? And I think that's totally. like, it's creating, you know, like, I don't, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I know like, with my own family, you know, or my sister, you know, you can think of like come up with moments like that or sayings like that from back in the day. And it's just, um, yeah, it's cool for them to have those. Yeah. Bring up um, the Spice Girls with your sister if you guys are like us. And there's always <laughs> oh, an appropriate time to tell you what I want, what I really, really want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tell me what you want, what you really want. <laughs> And now I'm going to play the Spice Girls for my kids today when I pick them up from school. Oh, I'm so sorry for all you listeners. <laughs> You're welcome. This, this is... went south really fast. <laughs> this is why we decided to do the podcast so we could talk about the Spice Girls. No, all right. So on that note, full circle, because we came back to the 90s, just like we said we were going to in the very beginning. But thank you so much for being here, Nikki. I so appreciate you and your friendship and your vulnerability here on the podcast. Thanks so much. Thanks, Kaylee. I, you know what? I want to share one last quick win that I just, I, I thought of like as soon as you, you know, asked about, about this topic, I was getting out of the car, you know, going to the grocery store again, the thing <sighs> I despise doing with all three of them. And yeah. my oldest, you know, just reached for my hand and I was pushing mm-hmm. the stroller with the other two. And he gives me these three little, like, like he just, the three squeezes, you know, and it's mm-hmm. this like, I love you squeeze. And we've been doing it for a while. I learned about it through you and I did it back and then he did it back and I did it back. And it's so funny now that you mentioned this, like kind of like standing side by side or sitting by side, side by side, like we didn't look at each other. We didn't, you know, talk about it. We just felt that, you know, it was just that small little moment of connection. I think you're so good about teaching these things. And yeah, it was just cool being present with him in that little moment. So 
thank you for all that you do. Thank you for holding space for us when, <laughs> when things fall apart. I, I love listening to your podcast and being a part of the group. It's oh, so beautiful, Nikki. Thank you for that. Because I think that just goes to show that like, it's about these little moments. Like I love the Gottman Institute. They talk all the time about the small moments often. And as parents, we can fall into this trap of Instagram thinking we have to create the perfect moment or, mm -hmm. you know, finding 15 minutes or taking our kids on special dates or whatever. And like the reality is like we're in the trenches right now. I mean, we're like, this is our daily life. But like you turned a moment in the grocery store parking lot walking into what typically turned into a disaster with all three kids trying to get groceries, right? And as a product, like I tell people, I'm like, look, connection, the goal of connection is never, the goal isn't necessarily just to get your kid to comply, but connection right. builds a foundation for collaboration and cooperation with one another. And so that's just like a bonus byproduct of, of all of this. Yeah. yeah so. I mean, and the beauty of it was he initiated that. So he reached, he did the squeezes. And I think it's through these repetitions of, you know, us going out and, you know, putting our arms out or giving them the hugs or sitting by them, like all of these moments that you've like talked about, you know, the more we do this, the more they can feel safe. And, you know, one day when they're 14 and feeling heartbroken, come sit by us and, yeah. you know, have that moment. Oh, thank you. Oh man, it's so hard, but like 14 is only five years away for my eldest. I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Unreal. All right. Thanks and so I'm much. I'm so for grateful that you have him because <laughs> then <laughs> you can lead us and tell us what to do. <laughs> Thanks. Oh my Kaylee. goodness. I'm I'm already kind of uh holding my breath a little bit about some of it, but Thanks so much for being here, Nikki. I appreciate you so much. And Thank I will you. see you soon inside CORE for our Q&A. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. I'll see you. Bye, Kaylee. 